All right. What's up, Sam Bilski in New York, all black. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like a t- that's the, that's the typical like fat guy. Um, Method. What, all black? Wear all black. It's like slimming, <laughs> you know. And but dude, I wear all black all the time though because it's just New York. Also, I didn't know that was a full. Like, I think it's like thing. I think it's like a black is slimming. So I think you'll see a lot of like yeah. overweight guys wearing wearing black. I, I also like you know kind of like into like the old school like more like punk rock like black t shirt black pants, kind of just like all black. Are you a fish guy? Do you like this band? Uh, I'm not like a I'm not like a fish jam band kind of guy. I mean, I like jam bands. What's another example of a jam band? Uh, like the Grateful Dead. Okay. They're just like Deadheads. Deadheads. No, I'm not not really into that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll go. I'll go watch it. Yeah. You know, why not? But you were on the way over here reading a book on the subway? Yeah. Dude, that's very peaceful. So you're not texting on the subway? Freaking no. scrolling through the gram? Yeah, try, trying to like get off, get off the phone. I, re- I read probably like a book a week or yeah, something. Yeah, I was going like to ask you. So you get recommendations from people how do you pick your next book uh, i go to like i guess go to bookstores like I, I mean the, I'll, I'll occasionally order it on amazon too like my i read a book this week that my boss recommended to me and I, yeah I, it was really kind of, it was only like 150 pages pretty short so how many hours a day do you read uh like, like 30 uh, 30 minutes at home and then whenever i'm on the subway so that, that adds up it's like and, meditating for you like I, you, piece of uh, you look disgusted like right now in your face. <laughs> no, I'm very, I'm just very, like, um, people, people I, are, I don't want to say concerned, but I'm very, like, inquisitive. That's the right word. Yeah, yeah. People, I, I don't people, meet a lot of people. People bro, our age books. don't really read. Um, I didn't really pick it up until, like, I didn't read in college. I, in college, I, I didn't even, even the assigned reading, I, I didn't really read. Mm-hmm. Uh, it I was like, disgusting, dude. I'm dead. <laughs> You're like, well, this, all you, have, you have a stack of books right there. <laughs> yeah, but bro, I've read maybe <laughs> five pages of each of them. They're just there for Tops. when you have chicks over. Yeah, exactly, look interesting. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> and also when I podcast gets over, so they think I read also. They think you read. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got, I was like, I was, I mean, I was like 26 and um, I just got, I was like going through that thing where it was like, there's nothing to watch on Netflix. You feel like you've watched everything. And then I, I just picked up a book and then I like would force myself to read for 30 minutes at a time. And then eventually at a certain point, I just started enjoying it. Do you find your vocabulary growing and yourself getting smarter no. reading books? No, I wish. What's the benefit then? Mm, it's entertainment. All right. I mean, I do feel like it's made me a better like email writer. Okay. Because like the more you read, so the better your vocabulary. Yeah, then. it helps your vocabulary. I don't know. Why I said no to that. But, it does, bro. But now with Chat GPT, it's like you almost don't need to know how to read or write. I don't think we're. I don't <laughs> think nobody's, nobody's gonna have to know how to do anything. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. Soon. Do you have your library card on the back of your phone right here? What's the thing on the back of your phone? No, nah, I got a work phone. No, but what's that thing? You like scan uh, it's it like in if they sca- if I if they st- oh, if you steal it if I steal it like the yeah, one that's like right, property. Right, right. Oh yeah, you got two phones in there. Damn dog. Phones. Yeah, one for the plug and one for the. I'm a drug dealer. That's that's really yes. what's going on. But in the past, I sell cocaine. In the past, yeah, you were uh, a drug dealer. Not actually. I'm I wasn't dealer. a drug dealer, but I did a drugs. Drug yeah, we went through that last time. I was a big yeah. big drug consumer. But how long did that last for you? Mm, like that phase before you got straight. Two years, two and a half years. Oh well, I mean. That was when it was like bad, bad, but like yeah. college, and then afterwards, I didn't really drink or use drugs till after college. I was using drugs in college. I was just typical binge drinker. Was it in an enjoyable time though during those two and a half years? Was it like up until two p.m. you had a good day? 
You know, because college like you, was fun, man. Yeah, I mean, right. you 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 I assume graduated college, right? Yes. Do you go like a state school? I went to UConn, University. Of okay, so you a know a lot of drinking. Right. So it was fun in college because it's almost like everyone's doing it. Everybody's doing it. So like the lines of who has a problem, who doesn't, is very blurred. Totally. Different. It wasn't until years afterwards where you're like, all right, it's pretty clear who's, <laughs> you know, because in college, I mean, laugh, it was not. Well, I don't. I mean, it's. I mean, like. I have people who are still like doing that. Like it's, it's, it's funny when you, when you go to like a true college town college and then there's like people that are just still there. They still like live there. They're like 30. Where'd you go? Kansas state. Oh, right. I think we talked about that. Yeah. Is that the Wildcats? Wildcats, the right. ag school. Some people may mistake it for university KU. of Kansas, the K- Jayhawks. Well, you don't really need to know a lot about Kansas. Um, there's not a whole lot there, you know, KU is the school that everybody knows because the basketball team. So yeah. Kansas State had a couple good football years and uh, basketball years too. Frank Martin. Frank Martin. I was when I was there. I've been watching this docu series on Netflix called Painkiller. It's about like R- Richard Sackler and the OxyContin epidemic pandemic. Mm-hmm. Geniuses. Insane. Like oh, just I, I took incredible, the wrong take. incredible marketers. What? <laughs> I was like, they're kind of genius. I mean, the way that they managed to get through all these hoops and loops i'm an opiate addict and i i respect their ability oh shit you were an oxycontin addict and you think well i mean that's how you get started was with pills most people but you graduate to heroin it's more like you know once you earn how did it it start with you is it an injury um no i just like i just like had them well i got my wisdom teeth pulled i guess that was the big the start and they gave you oxycontin to when you got your wisdom teeth pulled. I mean, this was 2012, so, so it was that before. Like right, right when it was getting hot, or no? Well, I mean, like doctor, like you know, dentists, doctors were giving it out like it was candy, you know, or said. yeah, a candy basically. And then you take it, and it was just kind of nice. I like downers, so it was like I just like fall asleep, just like wake up drooling. It was kind of awesome. <laughs> now, now I'm kind of like reminiscing on the romanticism of the early days, but um. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was it was fun, and then you know, but you realize that, right? Because it's like these are very strong. Like, there's a there's a scientific reason. Like, it fucks your opioid receptors in your brain. Like, so like you crave them, you withdraw. Like, it's tough, and it can per- permanently fuck people up if they use too many. Is a way to replace them like taking cold showers, or what's the best way naturally to replace? I don't know, like, what, what it is. is it I know, like, it? some people have to take, like, a methadone. opioid inhibitor, like, methadone or Suboxone for, like, the rest of their lives. Like, I mean, uh, give or take. I mean, people can get off of it, but it's, t- like, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of proof that, like, harm reduction actually is, like, statistically more better than, like, abstinence. So, like, people who take Suboxone, like, like basically the theory behind that, and I, I could be totally wrong, but my thought is, is they're like, well... People are probably gonna use, so you might as well reduce the risk by not, by at least taking suboxone methadone. So if if you do end up using, you know, it's not like you're just gonna overdose right away, you know, because people will start using at the same rate they were when they weren't. And that's how people die. Well, fentanyl has changed the game too. I don't sound like a grizzly old heroin addict. I'm like, there wasn't, <laughs> there just wasn't fentanyl really when I was because I mean I've been sober so long now. Fentanyl was around, but it wasn't really like it wasn't in everything like it is now. Is it so rampant now because when you put fentanyl in other drugs, it cuts it and makes it easier to make? It's, uh, it's cheaper? I don't know if it that because you're not trying to kill your customer base. My thought, well, I don't know because I don't know why, but my thought is is that it's drug dealers are sloppy, 
so they'll mix the fentanyl with the heroin and the coke just because they're not cleaning their scales or whatever. That's my theory. I don't know why you would want to sell. Co- there's there's cheaper things to cut coke with than fentanyl. Than fentanyl, but fentanyl's old- cheaper overall, I suppose, because it's it's a uh, they have it in hospitals. Older people use fentanyl in like patch forms. You well, you can. I knew people who used to melt and down and shoot the patch. Oh my patches God. up, or at least like not the actual plat, you know, whatever the patch was made of. But so I mean, I don't know. Fentanyl's bad news. Did you have any friends in your drug using days that had the same kind of issues as you that made it out clean like you? Uh, not when I was using. They're all dead. But um, how many people? How many people do I know that have died of a fentanyl overdose? Sure. Total? Yeah, man. Pre and post recovery, um, I don't know, probably more than twenty people. But I mean, these are people that were, you know, sober year, two years, six months. They relapsed, they died. You know, I, it seems like there's there's somebody every few. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, like when you're in when you're sober and you know a lot of sober people, like you subsequently know a lot of dead people, because like the the success rate of sobriety is not great. What about the homeless problem in L.A. now? For those of you who don't know, Sam, you're by coastal, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here mostly homeless, now. Right, but, but you're seeing the homeless problem in L.A. just get worse by the, by the month, it seems like. Is that probably an issue? Uh, I think people, uh, maybe they don't become homeless because of the drugs, but they start using drugs while they're homeless. Probably just go par for the course. I mean, the homeless problem in LA is not unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in LA, I mean, they're, they're just, they're openly camping. It's like, um, I don't know to what extent drugs play a factor. Mental health plays a factor. I don't know. I don't think cost of living is like, it, my opinion is unpopular probably as a whole, but I, I think it's true. I think when you, so first of all, other States do send their, homeless people to LA they'll say that's not true but 100% true so they'll just buy them a bus ticket to California San Francisco Los Angeles and then I think what's your theory behind that though why would they send them there because it's easier you know like California has a lot of liberal policies with homelessness like camping is not really enforced per se I mean, it is like once enough people complain, but then it just filters the problem. Have you heard of these van lords? People are buying vans, parking it at a spot and renting it out to homeless people for like 500 bucks a month. No, but that's actually hilarious and genius. Like people are becoming rich doing that. It doesn't surprise me. RV lords. You see those RVs all over the place in LA. And in (laughs) fact, they kind of explode from like meth labs. Oh man. Like so meth is like, there's there's like super meth is like something that's there. (laughs) It sounds... It's like worse than in regular meth. That's yeah. like, it or like better. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it creates like schizophrenic. I just listened to an interview about it. I don't know. I never did meth or, but it's a big problem out there. I don't know. Like there's not without sounding crass. I think it's like a failure of, of government more than it is like a, I mean, there's a drug problem, but I think it's more of a failure of policy. Like I think what happens is like a bunch of very liberal people with idealistic tendencies came in and they were like, just let them, do what they want they have rights they're homeless people then subsequently the problem got out of control and then now it's like too tough to policy it back without an inhumane reason because it's like the only real way is like you basically you can offer these folks housing and there are going to be people that are down on their luck that are essentially like yeah i'm gonna 
I'm going to just take the housing, get a job, find my way into permanent housing. But the vast majority are either A, too mentally unwell to work without treatment, too addicted to drugs and drinking, whether that's because they're truly addicted or because they're coping. So when you say like, oh, we have these tiny homes, but there's rules, you can't use drugs, you can't drink, there's protocols, you know, it's easier and probably more fun for them to be homeless because like, you know, also like they kind of steal stuff and build it up and you know tear it down it's like a big meth thing meth heads love to disassemble and assemble bikes over and over again it's it just seems like the properties of some of these drugs like what scientists are able to put together to try and trigger your brain in a certain way where you're feeling great for an hour and a half or maybe i don't know three hours and then everything just shoots down where if you look at the drugs that are natural i mean the only drug that i guess is natural is weed right that just straight up comes from the ground and isn't really altered in between pl- being planted and someone smoking it maybe there are preservatives on it but not really like well weed scientists. i mean now that weed's legal in a lot of states it's almost like flabbergasting that it was ever illegal because it doesn't seem to be nearly as harmful on people's whatever than alcohol because i don't i've never seen somebody high it's like people who smoke weed all the time they don't like get drunk and fall over and you know get into fights they just kind of chill that was like when I was on the tennis team in college, the coach had this 48-hour rule where kids weren't allowed to drink 48 hours before the match. But, bro, the amount of kids that were on the team that were blasted, like, 56 hours before a match, like, 20 shots deep, they'd be hung over for three days, and then they didn't drink the two days before. Like, it'd be all good. And if I smoked a joint a week before a match, I'd get suspended. You were Division Somewhere. One, was it? Yeah. It was like Division One level, or was it like club? Yeah, UConn. Oh, UConn. UConn. Division oh, okay. One. Yeah, bro, I was a bowler. Wow. I played for two and a half years, and then eventually I was just like, yo, I'd much rather do other things besides play tennis all these hours a day. I'd like to smoke weed and fucking relax, dude. Yeah, I don't really know, like, like if you're like, like it seems like the football team like drives the revenue for all the and other basketball. teams. And uh, basketball. And basketball for like UConn, yeah. yeah. Because like then it's like the other sports, it's like you're on a partial scholarship. Maybe yeah, I, I wasn't on the scholarship. Or you're on the tennis team, we had like I think two or three scholarships for the full team that people would split. But the tennis team didn't bring in any money. Right. Other, so. other sports at the school, like soccer and baseball, Brown had a little bit of money, so they had some scholarships. But the majority was football and basketball. I had a friend in college who was on the throwing team, on track team. What's that? They it's throw the like javelin. The, no, he did the discus and <laughs> shot. Oh put. shit! So he was like six seven. He was ginormous <laughs> and huge. he went to kansas state kansas state uh-huh. but he was like bullied which is kind of funny to think of because yeah. he was like a he was like a kind he was like he was like um the big friendly giant dude you he, ever read that book bfg <laughs> no but i did just read oh shit that was a good i did just read uh of mice and men i was going through a Stein, oh yeah a there you go steinbeck I, was yeah, going and I, Stein, it. I read like all of steinbeck's book most of them except for i haven't read grapes of wrath yet but i just I read, oh dude we read that in school too now that you're mentioning all these books i feel like a reader but like dude i haven't read a book in well i'm like i basically am making up for all <laughs> <laughs> well i'm making up for all the time that i like didn't, that you read. didn't read ender's game fucking holes holes i did read uh, was, catcher in the well, rye i saw the movie holes oh, i think that's enough Shia LaBeouf. did you read catcher in the rye i love yeah, i like catching the rye have you read it like 20 times no like a weird book reader no i'm not i'm not like i don't reread books per unless i forget i mean i'll i'll quiet on the western front i've read like three times <laughs> what is that who's that <laughs> that i don't remember the author's name but they just made a movie it's it's uh basically from the german perspective world war one it's it's actually like 
basically talking about the horror. It was it was it got him Wait, a whole bunch it, of. Jokes. Is that like the seven hundred page book? No, it's um, probably two maybe two hundred pages. It's not that thick, but it, they they've made they just made a movie on Netflix in German about it. It was sort of it was based on it. it wasn't totally accurate, but why don't you write a book, bro? You have an interesting I, life. I mean, I guess. I don't no, know. No, I think so. Yeah, maybe. But that's like, you know, but I don't know. Maybe one day. I, I don't know that I have like, I can, I like reading because it's entertainment, but then you have to sit down and write something. It's kind of like, that's kind of like a job. Pull from the archives. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I suppose I could try, but then like, how do you get it published? Who would read it? Who cares? You know? I'd read it. Oh, well, there, now I got one. Right. one. <laughs> or actually, can we make it into a screenplay? Then, it'll be, then I'd watch it. I did write easier. a... I have, I, I have wrote a pilot, like a lot of people that lived nice. in LA. Nice. Like, like, if you live in LA and you do comedy, which <laughs> you I live here now. Pilot. I live here now. You almost like feel like you have to do that stuff, which I have no real desire to... I mean, it'd be fine, but then you think about, like, you'd have to... The rare shot that you would sell a show, then you have to like be like a showrunner, and then you're like just working for a corporation all over again. How's New York been for you, man? Oh, it's good, Since dude. You moved here. When when did you move here? Like, like four two, months three ago, three and a half, four months ago. Yeah, it's good, man. I mean, it's the same shit. That's the thing is like everybody acts like oh they're you know they're they're different from the standpoint of like there's more clubs here, there's more stage time, there's more uh, stand up comedy. Generally speaking, it's also two or three times the amount of people, so that makes sense. But it's the same from the standpoint of everybody wants is talking about the same thing. Everybody has this air of delusion to them that like they're going to be the ones that are going to do it. Everybody's got an. Air. Well, you're not this way, actually. I've never heard you say negative things about anybody. But then there's like these circles. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But then there's these circles of people that are like negative, that are like jealous and like talk shit about what people want. And, you know, like then you realize like oh, there's the same circle of people, and then the ones that are ultimately successful are the ones that just kind of put their head down and just kind of try to be better. Dude, that's a, that's a big point. You know, you go to, you go to some shows and sometimes you hear things that like, you're like, why am I in the middle of this conversation? Yeah. I try not to, I try really hard not to, to talk shit on comics generally, unless they're like real assholes. Cause like you can get so invested in the drama of it all that it like, it like, it drives me, it drives people insane. Like it literally forces people to quit cause they start, then they sit around, they compare themselves like, well, this person deserve it, doesn't deserve that, this doesn't deserve that. They get mad and instead of looking inward, they just point the fingers at everybody else. Um, that's my opinion. I don't, I don't know. Well, one main thing I went to L.A. and I appreciate you for uh, giving me some names to do did some shows help? out there. Yes, it did. Uh, but going out to L.A., I just found like it was so slow, man. And I've, I'll tell anyone who asks me what they think the difference is between New York and L.A. comedy wise. <laughs> It just feels like people are moving slower out there. Yeah, you if you're doing four spots a week there, you're like killing it, you know, and it's I would say like the open mic grind people that do that are probably it's probably the same. They, I think that it's like the the illusion of progress just because you're getting up a lot. I mean, that exists here quite a lot, actually. Like I talked to a lot of people who are like, yeah, I've done seven open mics in a day. And I'm like, why? you know, what? why? I guess it's like good when you're new. Yeah, you're right. It's slower. It's different. It's definitely the way I also have told people is like it's a lot easier to be have the illusion of success in L.A. If you live there because you can be on lineups with some very successful comedians, it can sort of make you think you're further along than you are. Um, and then like there's a lot of very social media conscious people, which actually is kind of smart because I know a lot of people that are already kind of headlining that probably because they were able, so good at building up their social media. That doesn't seem to be as much of a factor here. 
So I guess that there's some things that people here could probably learn from LA, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely slower pace. There's not as much going on at all. And there, there doesn't seem to be as many, like, I don't know what your opinion is, but it doesn't seem to be the same contribution to the comedy community by running a show and contributing in that way. How, how do you mean? How do you mean? Like meaning like everybody here kind of also runs a show. It seems like, it seems like every comedian I meet runs a show here. Yeah. It seems like in LA, a lot of people just complain about not getting on shows. <laughs> I don't know if like that was yeah. your take, but I well, don't know. Yeah. Maybe a little bit, but also, yeah, in New York, you gotta, you gotta make yourself, make yourself an, an option to other people, you know, like have something going on besides that. What was your first moment in comedy in LA or was that the first place you did it? I can't remember. If uh, I started in Austin, Texas. Um, actually, in 20 well it was before it was before covid and it was i wasn't really i would say i was doing it there but i would say i really i really kind of dove head first when i moved to la like there i used to do open mics at this place called the love goat in austin texas which was the my favorite place to go because it was like you could show up go up like a lot of the mics at that time were reordered so if you were new, they'd put you at the very end or not on the list at all. So it was really you tough. You have to wait around for three hours. You have to, to do wait five around minutes. for three hours to do three minutes in front of like the remaining two people that were there. The comics that were running the scene at the time were very insular. They didn't welcome new people in unless you were like, I don't know, unless you just had that right personality. You and then Ryan they were, Gosling or something. I think Ryan Gosling would, would, get, would get three minutes at open mic in Austin, just like because they'd be mad because they'd be like, "Oh, he's mainstream." Like at the time, mm-hmm. they didn't like LA people, or they didn't like they didn't like any of they didn't want to be like, "Oh, we're different, we're alty." That was the attitude at the time. There was two clubs, and there was the Velveeta Room, and like Pat, this guy Pat Dean was the booker there, and he would only book. You know, he kind of like ran the scene and he got kind of locally me too, which is why it's like public knowledge, which is why I'm kind of saying it. So he was like booking the Velveeta room, which was the one real like Austin club. Then like there were people that would get passed at like Cap City and they would get like regular feature spots. And those were the only two clubs. And then like COVID happened. And then I saw that whole transition of like tons of L.A. comics and some New York comics moving to Austin and then I was in LA at that time and I remember seeing like all these like people freaking out about it and then ultimately you know the new comics that moved there kind of took over and now they pretty much run it. What were other comics saying though moving from LA to Austin were like it's just cheaper in Austin you can go outside no masks. Yeah and like there was all the hype over Rogan's Club which did eventually open but it took like three years eventually they did and some of those guys ended up working there like that did move there I mean not uh, from LA even maybe I actually can't I don't really know like there were a lot of people that moved there not realizing they weren't getting booked in LA just because they weren't bookable and then they moved to Austin and it was the same thing and now they're kind of stuck there but there was like a lot of really funny comics that moved there too from like Tennessee and then some of those guys too like some of them just got JFL new faces there was three Austin comics and they're all really funny and deserve it um, one of them was um, Clara Blackstone, got the unrepped, and she's a trans comic that had been in Austin for forever. So, like, they're still, and they were always picking people from from Austin for, like, JFL and all that stuff. But I don't think that I, uh, anybody there would have predicted, like, COVID would bring this influx. And, and st- Have you been to Austin? No, I haven't. But it seems like a lot of people just went to... Austin and Miami, not even from the comedy realm, just like people moving from northern states. Yeah, I mean, California, a lot of people moved to Texas. It's still happening. 
I, I heard a lot of people move back to New York too. From like, Austin? No, from like Miami and stuff. That yeah. that was like a lot of people moved and then they like kind of realized like, oh, it's smaller and then they move back. I don't know. That might, that might be a real estate scam that, that the real estate people are saying. But That they went down to Miami? No, that, that they're like, that. oh yeah, everybody's moving back and they're just like artificially making inventory seem low for yeah. apartments. Did you see Jeff Bezos just bought like a $70 million house on the water? North Bay or something they call it. Jeff Bezos is getting He's jacked. He's fresh, man. Dude, he is getting jacked. What do you think he's taking? Peptides? Uh, I don't TRT. know. If he's, he's probably on something TRT. Well, I mean, he's yeah, probably he probably like takes it le- legally. It probably has a doctor gives it to him. Now he's like he he ditched the old wife. You know, she just got a you know thirty billion thirty billion. And dollars. she was with a teacher for a while. But also, like Jeff Bezos is at an age where I think you can take these things, and for the most part, it's like not bad for your health. You know, like somebody no. will take people will take peptides and TRT at like 30 years old or around like the same age as me. And then it'll really fuck you up. I think your mid thirties is when it's really good to like start kind of like getting on. I don't know if it's like the peptides or the, that stuff, but yeah, I mean, uh, if uh, Jeff Bezos, like people like uh, will will get mad at Jeff at these people, these billionaires all the time. And like, I actually understand because I have friends that like have that capitalist mindset. They're like, Oh, I'm just working among the confines of the system that's in place. So they don't really see it as like they're, bad people or like that they necessarily even have to give or tax because they see it like capitalism is based on the concept of grow unlimited growth and fair market share. and they're like they're like well i'm i'm winning the market i deserve all like that's the way they see it like they just see it as business whereas like i think a lot of people our age are like this is kind of bullshit i think at some point maybe you can be like all right there should be a cap on like if you make x amount more than a hundred billion dollars. If you're worth more than a hundred billion dollars, then you get taxed at X amount of rate. But there's only like five people who are worth more than a hundred billion dollars. So it would seem like you're targeting them. So I, I guess it just depends on how you see it. I see. I'm like one of those people that's like, both, I'm so easily swayed by both sides. Yeah. Cause I'm like, ah, they both make, they both, they, yeah, they, they both, both have solid points. points. And then I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Which is where I don't have strong opinions anywhere. Cause I'm just sort of like, we're probably fucked anyways. Why you think aliens are just, real? Uh, well, no, I, <laughs> I mean, I think if, I think it's funny. Like that whole thing is, has been, um, it's been real for fit, like 75 years. Well, like they're like, okay, it's real. And like, it's pretty, pretty clear that it's, it's at least, at least looking real. And yeah. I think most people are like, <laughs> I'm kind of the same. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But you know, I still got to pay my rent. Like, it's, like you're probably, you know, it's not like until they come in and intervene or, or destroy us all or drain us for natural resources. But until that happened, I don't think most people would care. And I think people are stupid enough to where like they would just the cause like whatever, like they'd be like, it wouldn't change people's perspective. Like it wouldn't change if they came down and they were like, we came to your earth because you can still save your planet. Our planet was, yeah, whatever. Like, Listen We'd, to Ted Jones, go vegan. <laughs> but what if, but what if they came down here and we're living among us. I'd say that that could be a possibility. That'd like, be cool. Like every fifth person that you see walking on the street is an alien. Like, it could happen. Like all the Indian people working at McDonald's <laughs> in Manhattan. Yeah, they're all aliens. aliens. That's the weird thing about. I should be careful with the way that I say this. Yeah, but let's like, hear it. In in LA, in te- in Texas, all the people who work at like the Seven Elevens, the you know, are hardworking what, immigrants, right? Hardworking immigrants. And it's like 7-Eleven people tend to be like, for whatever reason, they are Indian, like almost nationwide. Mm -hmm. But like everywhere else is like, yeah, it's like Mexican people or whatever. But here, it's like all Indian people at the fast food restaurants for the most part. 
You ever notice that? Like, well, you probably don't eat at Taco Bell because yeah. you're not a fat piece of shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I noticed that and it's not even like, it has nothing to do with other than like, huh? You know, it's like just a curiosity. I'm like, I wonder how that happened. Well, maybe they, they go back to their country and like, look how much money I've made from this specific. Well, I think they own restaurant. it. I think, I think like their families own it and they yeah. hire family members. Uh, that would make sense to me. That does that sound racist? It's just an observation. So. No, because they're doing well. They're doing well. It's racist in a positive way. Yeah, like they're coming in and they're seeing the <laughs> the the owning a franchise is a profitable venture for them. Yeah, to come here, you know, it's like they're own they're business owners, but they don't have to. Here's the thing about Seven Elevens though that I've noticed: no matter where you are, a very popular place for homeless people to hang out outside of. It doesn't really matter where you are. You're kind of right. Or sometimes they're, they're holding the door. They hold the door, and I yeah, I'm not going to tip you for that. I'm sorry, but like that's like the bare minimum. You'd but, think I'd have more empathy because I was homeless. Well, dude, when I was in college, I used to steal from Seven Eleven. I feel bad. But there's is there a statute of limitation? Should I edit that out? No, I fuck don't think it. we're keeping it again. I used to steal like Red Bulls and candy from there. Dude, like, they're not. Put they, it if, in my if pants. you steal shit from Seven Eleven, yeah, you could go into Seven Eleven right now, steal shit, walk under nine hundred. Dollars, yeah, whatever the cops aren't gonna come. Yeah, I actually saw that in Dwayne Reed pretty recently. This guy took like four loaves of meat and just walked out. And then that yeah, was like it. the workers and the, there and the security gonna, guard there too was like, What am I supposed to do? Like, I guess nothing, lady. They're kind of just there, like, they're not supposed to intervene, they're supposed to just call the cops. What do you think about that policy? Because what did it used to be like in LA if you did that five years ago? Well, I don't know, I'm not from cops, LA. I think, it, I think if you go way, way back. Did they, you ever do, did you ever do shit? Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I think if you went way, way back, they would just shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> the wild, wild west. I think they no, just but like, I mean, yeah. the, what the Dwayne Reed would call the cops. The cops would come, file a report, then they waste four hours trying to get back Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, well, they, why, why? If I was a cop and I, I had the, here's here's a prime example of like how busy. And I, I, I'm not like one of these, like all cops are bad people, but I am like cops are generally are idiots. Cause like the only people I know who became cops, are like the dumbest people I've ever met in my life. Like didn't graduate from high school. Uh, low, like here's like, three very specific examples in, in the top of my head. One was like one of the dumbest kids from my high school, literally one of the dumbest. <laughs> Why was he dumb though? He didn't read low, like graduated bottom, hmm. at, bottom end of the class is just dumb. Like just dumb, like not athletic, like nothing. Just, just like kind of just one of those kids that just like tried, but failed at everything cop uh one of the kids i went to high school with your grade below me actually killed a guy in nashville went to prison he got convicted of murder he's convicted of murder he's a cop he was a cop and got convicted of murder he was in nashville it was a famous case like i was like i was like perusing cnn one day and i was like holy shit you can look it up i don't say i'll say his name i don't care his name's andrew he's a convicted felon too it's public his name's andrew delkey i think in nashville went to high school with him shot a guy in the back killed him went to got convicted i think he went to prison for like a year or two which would would not have been probably very fun for him but um it's very clear like the guy was running away and he pulled he shot on point blank in the back like not point blank but he was like a little bit down he stopped shot him as he was running away so it was very clear like the evidence was very like they tried to like delay the case then COVID, and then he finally got convicted because it was just so clear the guy was running away i don't know if he was armed or not was not didn't pull a gun on him nothing like that was running away and then shot him as he was running away i saw the video i was like holy shit sent it to, I, of course i sent it to everybody i knew all the classmates who's the third cop third cop was my manager at subway when i worked at subway <laughs> <laughs> and he, he would well, he went from being a manager at subway to being a cop yeah and he would only he would 
<laughs> uh, I think it was yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 sure yeah. Yes. He only carded black guys. What do you Subway. mean? Like, ask their ID. Like if if if, <laughs> if a black guy paid with a credit card oh at Subway. Oh my god, that's fucked up. Now he he's got. They gave him a gun. Yeah. Like here's a gun. You're you you were a sandwich artist. Now you're totally qualified to hair handle a gun. I think for me, it's yeah. Where are we going with this? So anyway, so cops are just really busy. They're also really dumb. So they, they probably just don't want to waste their time. Did you ever have any scary moments with law enforcement? I got arrested a bunch of times. Um, How many? Like five or six. Uh, I got the shit kicked out of me by cops. When I was in a holding cell once. How many? Four. And they just like took turns beating you down? No, I was drunk and disorderly and they, they, um, they, they hog tied me. Like your hands and your and feet because I was misbehaving like crazy. And, um, and I said, um, I spit at one of the cops and, and called him a pig. And then they started, they beat me up. I probably deserved it. Do you remember it? Do you remember it? Or that's just like from their deposition of it? No, I remember that. I wasn't like black out at that uh-huh. point. Yeah. It was kind of funny. They didn't like beat the shit out of me, like to the point where I was hospitalized. They just were like, they beat me up a little bit. Was that before your mugshot though? Like, do you have a mugshot? Of no, because eyes? they, no, they put you in, a, they, 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 they book you, then you take your mugshot, oh, and, and then they, they, they beat the shit out of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. Keep that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, clear. So that, that never really like, you know, that never really, like nothing really happened after that. I think they cut, they dismissed the charges, I think for obvious reasons. Nobody like nobody trying to stick you up in your drug days. Never been robbed. I've, I, um, yeah, you, did you rob any place? Not a gunpoint or anything like that. I would just steal like, like a lot of homeless people. You just steal like Dwayne Reed's like, like you mentioned, um, what kind of stuff would you take food? I wouldn't steal anything of value. Just like Oreos and like just junk food was like what I was living off of at the time. Alcohol. I'd steal alcohol. And how long were you homeless for? I think we touched on this like on and off for like a year and a half. So it wasn't really that long. It was like maybe two years at max. And then, yeah. Then but I, how do you mean on and off? Like you'd be in a shelter for a couple of months. You'd be in an apartment. No, I'd get, I would, I would get, I worked for like, I ended up getting like 14 different jobs in that time frame. So Did you just get like fired uh, really quickly? Yeah. And, um, so I'd, I'd occasionally have enough money to get like a room, like a cheap room. And then I get kicked out on and off. So it wasn't like strict homeless the whole time, but towards the end it was, it was like that. It was towards the end. It was like, like the last like year or so. It was like pretty, pretty mostly homeless. Like, cause you get a room. I get a room. I get roommates. I was really good at kind of for ten minutes in an interview with somebody like presenting myself as if I was like a response. Oh well, I've known you for way longer than ten minutes, and I think you're pre- you presented yourself as a stand up guy. Well, now I am, but yeah. that's you know seven <laughs> years sober. I mean, okay. if you talked to me, when I was twenty three. It would have been different. You were here when you were twenty three, though, right? I was not so great myself either, dude. I was like doing drugs, drinking way too much. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really drink that much anymore. It's been, now it's been like four months, but like I, it's not like I don't try and drink. It's just like, I don't really want to. Yeah. You're like, it's a, you're like a typical 30, 30, 31 year old. You just take it or leave it. You know, don't want the hangovers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been sober for so long now. It's like longer than I was really even drinking. So it's like, it's just the way my life is now. What was maybe this is maybe it's a weird question, but what was maybe the best part about being homeless and the worst part about being homeless? Best part about being homeless was the like all the homeless like sex you could have. 
with other homeless people. I mean, it's homeless people be fucking that happens. No. Uh, what was the other other part? Wait, um, wait, wait. But like, where? Intense. No, like bathrooms and outside alleyways. Not in Man- there's no alleys in Manhattan, but you know in the boroughs. <laughs> you know so that was the best where, part, or maybe the freedom too. Like fro- not answered to nobody. <laughs> um, the homeless sex could was fun, but also risky. It had an air of am I going to get oh, you yeah. know a debilitating but STD? Did, did you live in a tent for a period of time? Like where did you sleep? Well, there's no tent. You can't sleep in a tent in New York. I was it was here. It was all here when in my early twenties. It wasn't in L.A. So you would sleep. You well. Here's the thing a lot of people don't really realize. Like the shelters are more dangerous a lot of the times than the streets. The streets can be dangerous because it can be like weird and territorial depending on where you are. But also it's dang it's it's stressful because like yes, we see like homeless people like sleeping on the subway and all that stuff, but you can't really just fall asleep on a park bench. Like there's there's laws in New York against that. So the only thing the police can really do, and I think this is a recent thing, is they have to inform you of your rights of what you're allowed to do. But so, but they'd make you keep moving. There's too many rich people in New York to allow that kind of shit to happen. And they're not, they're, they're like rich New Yorkers are not like California liberal people. They're like fake liberals. They're like liberal people that actually like hate poor people. And I don't know if you agree with that or not. That's my, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just making sweeping generalizations statements right now. You can't just like fall asleep on the ground. Like you can, but they're going to, eventually be like, all right, you got to keep moving. So you're always on the move. I think that's the worst part about it. Um, so it's not really like there's any freedom. And then with no, if you have no money, it's not like there's really any freedom at all because you, you know, like something, cause like, what do you do? Like you don't have a place to live. So it's not like when you're broke and you can chill and watch Netflix until your payday, you know, you don't have a phone necessarily. Like you might, you may or may not, depending on what's going on. You can't just like at the time it wasn't like it was, you have to have like a great data plan to be able to just stream unlimited and you have to have a, a data plan. So you'd have to go to Wi-Fi to find a place that have Wi-Fi and then you just sit in McDonald's and watch Netflix on your phone. It's pretty depressing. What made you want to get out of it? Uh, I didn't really, well, I mean, I, at the time when I got sober, it, I just gotten fired for showing up to work strung out and drunk. I falling asleep at my desk because I moved to Texas in a basically like a, a whole New York is the problem. And I moved to Texas to Austin, Texas. And then they, you know, the shit, same shit started happening. Wasn't paying rent, wasn't holding a job. And uh, I got fired. Uh, so like I was going to get fired. I showed up to work falling asleep. They sent me home. I was pretty convinced I was going to get fired when I came into work the next day. And then they were like, um, they're like, all right, we're going to give you a shot. But basically they can't, ju- you know, for something like that, I think it's illegal to fire somebody. I think you have to like, I think there's HR laws that protect people. Is that in Texas specifically? Uh, I think nationwide theory, you can be sued if you get, if you get fired for being an alcohol, they have to at least offer help. So they didn't really do that right away. They fired me like a week later. The, the day, the day after I showed up drunk, I went to an AA meeting and I was like, all right, this is interesting. And I went for a week and then I drank one more time the day I got fired. Was that one more time? Like a really bad. No, that no. was, it was weird. It was like a concert. 
and I had maybe like seven beers, which was not a lot, not for, a lot me. for you, right? Yeah. And then I like woke up the next day and been sober ever since. And I, so I guess theoretically that was October 27th of 2016. So I'll have seven yeah. years in like a month or two. Do you go to AA meetings? I go sometimes. Yeah. yeah What's I go. It, I, I've heard under, I understand from people who go to those type of meetings that it's like a, it's kind of like a rush, a high. What's the deal with that? Why do people feel so good after those meetings? Um, well, I mean, I can tell you people have different, uh, a lot of people have different relationships with, um, with recovery. Um, and like what, what there is like, I've, if, when I was like 24 and I was first going to meetings, I definitely would have told you it's the only thing that works because I think when you're new, you're so it's new and it's like a new group of friends. Hi, Sam. Right. Everybody's like happy to see you and like, you're meeting all these people and then, you know, they're like, they're like all excited to be there and you know, like people have a vulnerability with it. Um, I think that's, that's what it is for me. It's like you're around people that are not afraid to sort of tell you where they're at in their lives. And so, and then like, you know, the solution of it is, is what, you know, with what other people have to say, it's definitely not like how the movies and TV, you ever see like the wire and the guys at like an NA meeting and everybody looks sad. And it's just like, it's not really like that. It's kind of like an uplifting place. It's like, just but yeah, I mean, there's there is the God factor of it all, which scares people away. Which honestly, did I've have a I have a very like neutral opinion on that. I, I'm not like a religious person or very spiritual. I just you know, so I guess the law. My I'm kind of babbling right now because I'm trying to like be tactful. It works really well for me because it, it's nice to have outside of work, my normal friends, stand up a community of people that are focused on a singular goal, which is to be able to stay sober, you know, one day at a time. With that being said, a doesn't work for everybody and it's not for everybody. There are things that work better for other people. Like I know people who like harm reduction has saved their life. Like what's that? Like taking Suboxone and we, and Suboxone and weaning off of opiates and then eventually just being sober. Like they might drink maybe once in a blue moon. They're not alcoholic. Like, crazy like they were addicted to opiates because of physical problems i know people that have gotten sober over like health and being vegan and yoga and then that's their their lifestyle so i think my my, my opinion is you have to replace the, the 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 reason behind your drinking and the reason you did you have to like kind of find something else to fill whatever that that gap is it, it could be a it could be yoga it could be fitness it could be meditation it could be whatever people find to be sober, you know, there's, there's people go to therapy that helps them. I mean, there's a lot of different things that they do, but I think that if you're, if you're an alcoholic, like do something, try to find something that keeps you in that, like out of that loop, because it's people who are dr- seriously drug addicts and alcoholics. It's not like they just drink too much. It's like they drink too much. They wake up, they get, they'll keep drinking. They'll get Coke. They'll stay up. They'll be broke. They won't show up to work. They'll screw their friends over. Like, and then like that's most people. And then there's the occasional person that like drinks, you know, a fifth of, of, of like Johnny Walker every night and goes and works on wall street and dies at like 65 of cirrhosis. That's probably like pretty rare for people to be able to function. Like there that. was a Columbia professor who says that he snorts heroin recreationally. I don't know if you heard about this and pop up, pop up the article right here, but he's just talking about how he's able to do it like a couple nights a week. And he's totally cool, which I imagine he is not a majority of people. <laughs> it's also kind of weird. I mean, that he admitted it that you're just snorting oh. heroin like two nights a week as like your treat. It's well, just, appa- yeah. Well, apparently it's um, 
It's a, it's nice. You get a nice little buzz from it. But heroin's great. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. I get, I get it. If I could do it twice a week and not like, you know, that's insane. What's been the hardest moment of the last seven years for you? Um, the hardest. Well, I mean, like, I know it's supposed to be like a comedy podcast, but this is gonna. Yeah, be, no, we're getting this deep. Is, this is gonna be the opposite of that. <laughs> My mom died when I was twenty-seven, so four years ago, and um, I think. It's okay. You know, it's like when people say, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. How like, am I, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's like, what I, would you want people to say? I would be like, oh, I mean, there's no, not no like, comment. there's, there's no like thing to say. It's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear That's that. That's the only thing people say, like at funerals too, bro. Like I went to my, uh, my grandma's brother's funeral and like, I saw the rest of the family and I was like, oh, good to see you. And I was like, oh, fuck, I probably shouldn't say good to see you. No, I just, I, I think it's like, it's like funny. It's like, what do you, it's like one of the most, like, it's particularly because like we're, you know, we're young people. It's like most people's parents aren't dead at our age or their mom or their mom or that their dad isn't. So you're like, so what do you say? Like, sorry to hear. It's like, it's definitely like a very like depressing thing, particularly. But like the thing was, that was hard for me. was like, my mom had serious um, mental illness problems. She had like, either borderline personality or some type of untreated mental illness. So her, her life was chaotic and even that, that included raising us. And when she died, it was like, that was unanswered. And so the hardest thing for me was then sort of her and I sort of having somewhat of a close relationship, given our affliction with addiction to then sort of, as she passes, as more time goes and as the more like I become aware and realize how, manipulative she was to me even in my adult life meaning having like munchausen's by proxy so to the extent that like she convinced me i had all these mental illnesses i was on all these medications till i was like 27 then i got professionally like treated i'm 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 on zero medications i'm not bipolar i'm not ocd i'm not i don't have severe anxiety disorder and she would tell me things when she was alive like if you stop taking those like I, you're bad things that you're going to kill yourself. You're, you're going to go off the rails to find out that wasn't true to then have to like deal with those feelings surrounding it. Like, like realizing like, Oh shit, maybe she was like just truly a narcissist and a bad person. Is that, that's what like Eminem went through, right? Like he talks about that. <laughs> I think maybe victim of Munchausen syndrome. M and I, M and M and I are the same. Yeah. Well, you were in that's the Detroit. Say, hat, yeah. <laughs> he might've, um, I should call him. He he discussed that. Victim of Munchausen syndrome. My whole <laughs> life I was made to believe I was sick when I wasn't. Till I grew up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and he, he grew up to be a famous rapper. And, yeah, he's um, doing well. You and know, I'm both uh, doing well. I'm a famous a, comedian on your way. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an amateur comedian that may may or may not do. But we're the same, really, is what I'm trying to say. I'm an M&M M&M. M&M. We're the same. We're, we're the same. How, what was your relationship like with your father? Or what is it like? Um, it's better. I mean, definitely like not great. I mean, it's not terrible. We're just not dads of a certain generation. You know, they're not like, they're not like the like, oh, let's go like hang out and watch the game and talk about life. You he know? ever see you do comedy? No. I just don't think there's an interest there. Like, that's the other thing is like with my dad, it's like, I, you know, he like we, and, and you know, I'm not, I've, I've, I, I'm talking to the camera, but it's like, I've worked through all this. So it's going to sound like, like, like it's not, it's just my acceptance with it, which is, I don't, my dad, I'm a lot like my mom in in ways that I think are not bad, but I think that it makes my dad distance himself from me because they were divorced and they had a fucked up, you know, relationship, whether he would admit it or not. I think I'm always sort of, 
he's always going to keep an arm's length from me. And it's like, I've just sort of like accepted it. Cause it's like, he's at the age where he's not really going to change. But that being said, we talk on the phone, you know, once a week and you know, he does, he's, he's improved. Like I've communicated with him a lot about how it makes me feel. And he's like genuinely made an effort to try to be better. I think if, if you say, if you, if you tell somebody you're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I mean, I don't really ha- like my, I have a twin brother. We talk a lot. You know? Oh, identical. Uh, fraternal. fraternal. Okay. But if you tell people like, oh yeah, you know, I don't really have a lot of family, generally speaking, and the ones that I do, like we're not particularly close. I think like people are kind of like, they either really relate or it could not be more alien to them. It seems to be like two extremes. Cause like to people like myself who come from like weird families that have like complicated relationships, functionality is weird to people who have like a functional household they're probably like oh that's weird but i haven't really found there to be like a in between yeah like a middle ground where it's like yeah yeah, we went through rough times but then you know so it's like part. i think it's like part of the human experience is like you're just not yeah you're kind of dealt with the cards that you're given and like there's like people end up fucking up their lives whether they have a good family or not so it's like it can't really be a once you get to a certain age you can't really blame your parents for your problem. You know, I'm 31 years old. If I were to be like, yeah, but my mom was mean to me, my boss would be like, okay, you're fired. You know, like, if I didn't do my job. Is there anybody in your life who has been super helpful over the past seven years in keeping you sober? In my life? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people. Like, I, I have a lot of really great friends. Um. Not that, not even just in recovery, just in life in general. Like I've, I've, I've had a really, I've been really lucky that like I've been able to maintain a lot of friendships for years and years and years. Some of them, like my friends from high school over half my life, we've been best friends. Um, you know, people in comedy that are, you know, I'm very close with people outside of comedy that I'm very close. So like people, there are people in your life and people are going to invest in relationships and open up to you as much as you're willing to open up to them some people will reciprocate that and will appreciate it and that friendship will grow. And then others, you know, maybe not so much. And maybe they were like good friends with you for a time in your life. And then, you know, then they, then they fade away and it's like, they're just a a part of your life, not negative or positive. They were a positive time friendship in your life at the time. And then, you know, maybe they'll reconnect in the future. Maybe you won't. We all have relationships like that. What would be your advice to somebody who, is desperately trying to get sober or somebody who realizes in the back of their mind, they should, they should get sober, but they're not ready. Ask for help. If you're ready, if you're not ready, like get ready, like n- n- realize when you're ready, like there is opportunities out there. Uh, ask for help. Don't be afraid to, who do you ask for help though? Well, if you don't, if you have, if you have family that cares, ask them. If you have insurance, talk to your employer. Because your employer will your help you get employer the employer about saying that you need to get sober. Yeah, because they'll they'll pay for treatment. You should trust your employer though that they won't fire if you. If they do, they're gonna they'll get sued to to oblivion. It's it's literally a law. Like don't they you, have to right, but don't you think that people wouldn't really know that? Like I, for the most part. Well, yeah. So like you got to educate yourself on that. Like my sister just went to treatment recently, and she told her employer, she, and they paid for it, and they leave wow. absence. I where, a, where is she living? Uh, my whole family is in the south now. Like I grew up in Detroit, but. They're all like in or around yeah, Memphis, like Tennessee. Eminem, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're all in Memphis, Tennessee. But yeah, you talk to your employer if you have a job and you have good insurance. They have to pay for it. They'll give you your job back when you get out. Is there a way for you to try and do it by yourself? Go to a meeting. That'd be my advice. 
If you don't want to go to a meeting, go to a therapist. If you don't want to go to a therapist, um, talk to somebody you know who's sober. You don't want to talk to somebody you know who's sober. Do you? Can you bite your tongue? And try, um, and go through try to stop. Yeah, yeah, try to stop. I mean, you could try to stop. I couldn't stop on my own. Just, just, just through like free will. Some people can. You know, some people are just really type A and they can do shit like that. I couldn't do it. I don't know. That'd be my suggestion. Just like try anything that if it works, keep doing it. You know, even if it's like. Even if going to yoga once a week and like looking at some chick you think is hot's ass every week, you know, and that like keeps you sober, like, or guy, I don't want to has, discriminate. Has comedy filled the void for you? Uh, I can't Maybe do just, fully, uh, yeah, I, I think comedy is sort of like, um, finding something like comedy that I'm interested in has given me like purpose in a way where it's like made me sort of realize that, that like there are other things you can do that are fun and that maybe you can be successful at that sort of put, everything in a perspective because like you know like i don't know if you ever did you ever work do you work a corporate job or did you work I a did. corporate I worked job in real estate for six and a half years okay so you you kind of know like like once you start doing stand-up you sort of really realize how silly all that is if yeah, you if, like, like i remember there'd be mornings i'd wake up and i'd be angry at a coworker for not responding to an email right like like you put all your time and effort to like a company that legitimately could not give a fuck whether you're alive or dead like if you die tomorrow, they're going to be like, oh, that's sad. Let's all mourn for him. And HR will send out an email and then people will be sad for a day. And then, you know, and then they unfollow you on Instagram. <laughs> He's not posting anytime soon. Do you unfollow dead people? Bro, I literally saw a, a bodybuilder who I follow who died like two months ago, Joe Aesthetics. And I oh, I saw him. Yeah. But bro, I don't know what to do. I'm not, I, I don't think that's just savage. No, I think it's like, if you like, maybe, maybe like, what's the point? You know, at, at that point, it's like, they're not going to post anymore. If it is, it's going to be a family member that's just going to post like in sure, remember him stuff. It's his birthday, anniversary of his death. I think if like you have a, here's where I think it's savage is if a friend of yours dies and then you like <laughs> unfriend them on Facebook. No, and you, well, you put, make a post about him and then unfriend him. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I think that's like a weird thing to do when somebody dies. Like there was that, um, and I, I wasn't involved at all, but like there was some comedian that died in New York that I have, I've never met, but, um, then there were people that were mad at other people for posting about it. And I was like, this is the quintessential, like stupid drama of comedy scene. Like let people grieve if they want to grieve, like don't yeah. keep people's posts. Yeah. I will, I will share a picture of a celebrity when they die on my Instagram story and like well, you're a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> but if I was doing it for you, know, I'm doing it for altruistic reasons or to see who thinks I'm cool. Cause yeah. Or maybe you have a picture with them. That'd be both. I don't have any pictures with really any celebrities except for T.I., why do you have a picture with T.I.? Because <laughs> he did stand-up comedy for a little bit. Or he's I, still doing it. Is he not? I don't he know. I, I don't know if he quit I really hope he didn't quit, man. I just showed him at the, at the Ha Ha Comedy Club, and he like had a whole, yeah, he had a whole um, entourage with him. I bet. It was, it was some crazy shit. Yeah, T.I. That's it. It's the only famous person. Oh, I have a picture with Jim Cramer, but I don't know to what extent that that Oh, Jim Cramer, the MSNBC I got guy. Dr- I got drunk with him when I was like 22. No way. <laughs> he owns That's a really rare. He owns a bar in Carol Go- or used to called Bar San Miguel, and he was hanging out there. And I partied with him. I asked if we could share a cab, and he said no. He's like, "Don't embarrass yourself." Well, like, did he? He said that to you. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Well, he was nice about it. He was joking. He's like, he's like, "Don't make this weird." And I was like, "Oh, that's so funny." It's like, all right. He was like, "Just buy the S and P." You didn't give me any stock advice. None. None. You didn't ask for it. It was kind of easy to identify at the time that I probably wouldn't be somebody that (laughs) (laughs) That had excess money to invest. 
I mean, I was drinking at his bar, but he was also buying all the drinks. Yeah, right, right. Like, I don't know if he owns the bar, if he was an investor. It's in Brooklyn. Brooklyn's a weird place. For those, what do you think? What are your opinions on on Brooklyn? Eh, I think it's fine. There are parts that are maybe weird, but I think it's fine. So it's very different from parts of Manhattan, but also similar to different areas, I'd say. I just think it's like, I don't know what's going on there. It's like a lot of young people that dress well. Yeah. I thought, I thought, I mean, I'm not, I'm from the Midwest. So like, I thought Brooklyn was supposed to be a hardcore place. Yeah. Brooklyn. No, it's not really anymore. Not anymore. A, lot of, a lot of white kids. A lot of white kids. And then like the sprinkled in like black kids. You know, here, and <laughs> here and there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. I'm not, it's, I'm like, I feel like I want to be like, I feel like I want to be there's something gross happening here, but I feel like I can't really say it because I'm not, I, mm-hmm. I have no claim. What's your favorite part about New York? Maybe thus far. Um, well, the walkability of it. Yes, I feel like, um, wow. love some good steps. It's, ex- it's, there's always something going on, which is exciting. The energy of it all is exciting. Um, the cool people here tend to be like outside of stand up very driven and focused on something which is kind of interesting i feel like i feel young as a 31 year old here yeah dude me too which is nice um i don't feel like there's any kind of pressure societal wise anything to live a certain kind of life where it's like you can be as weird and as quirky and whatever as you want here and like nobody will really care pay attention which is nice so I mean, there's a lot of good things about it. The comedy scene wise, I mean, there's a lot of like great comedy clubs here that you get the opportunity to perform at that will actually pass people based on what their, what their opinion of your merit is not necessarily based on how famous you are, which is different in LA. Yeah. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of things I like here. Are you excited for your, for your uh, first New York winter? I guess not first, but first in a while. Uh, you know, I haven't had a real winter in like yeah, seven years. Yeah, dude, it's going to be brutal. But like the past two years haven't really been that bad. So you'll adjust, I'm sure. I think global warming will eventually make everywhere sort of feel not, you know, not, I don't know, maybe if I, you know, knowing my, knowing my luck, it might, make, well, I don't really have bad luck, but I just, I was here in Snowmageddon in 2015. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, not really, but that was probably like one of the worst last snowstorms. It was pretty bad. I they sh- like, that. they shut down the subways. It was like a whole Snow-Mageddon. thing. I like I like cold weather. So I should say that I'm a winter person for chubby people. Aesthetically, it fits. You don't feel a pressure to be in shape. I'm also will burn very badly if I'm in the sun for more than 10 minutes. So like the thick of snow, I don't like the cold weather. I don't really necessarily mind. So you're like a fall guy. I'm like a fall Fall is a good season. Let's go, <laughs> Sam, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Yeah, thanks Before for having me we again. get out of here, we're going to pop up your Instagram. Please let us know where we can find you and uh, what you got coming up. A story of stuff or what? You can just find me at Samuel Bilski. You can take a look at, and if you're local, like I run a, a monthly show in Astoria, you can check out called Fat Set Comedy. Love it. Sam, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, thanks for tuning in and listening. Email me, tedjonesworld at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>